and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. So, this has been a crazy, crazy last couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> Do you have just to so we know, we have, I just wanted to, right out the gate, I wanted to give a special shout out. We have a brand new patron. Yay! Clifton, the uh, author of the Exploding Dice Bot on Discord. Carlton. Carlton. Or Carlton. Yeah, Carlton. God, my, I, it is it is way too early for us to be trying to do this. <laughs> Little behind the scenes, by crazy, it's also not our normal day or our normal hour. In fact, off by almost twelve hours from when we would usually record. Yeah, so sorry, I'm still drinking us, my coffee. And some of us are still suffering the side effects of the uh, of the COVID Ouchy. vaccine. Ouchy yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, and I'll but, be honest, it's worth it. It is worth it. But yeah. I go get mine today. Huge big thank you to Carlton for joining the Patreon, which if you have not, you should find the link in the doodly-doo, visit us at seasethegm.com, and throw a few dollars our way on Patreon. That helps deal with the upkeep of the site and the podcast so that you will always be able to go back and find our voices, and perhaps it will uh, enable us to do a little more in the future. Yeah, web, yes. web, web serving ain't free, let's just put it that way. No, it's not. <laughs> But there's also another thing that's uh, kind of happening behind the scenes. It's not official, official yet, but we may have another blogger to take up another one of our days during the week, which I would like to have had somebody writing so that we had a blog post every day of the week, except for Thursday, which is when the episodes usually drop. Unless you're a patron, then you get them earlier than that. But um, I'm not going to officially announce anything until probably the next episode. We're trying because to get then the, I will have. Yeah, we're trying to get the writing back up and the blog post back up. And there's someone who isn't just one of the three of us that may be joining the writing staff or yes, or hearing them through their written word is what Zen is trying to say. Yeah, because it's still early. <laughs> I am gonna. I'm gonna bank on that one the whole show guys just so you know wait just using it but as a convenient excuse it is a convenient excuse all right mm. but regardless <laughs> of all of that we are going to go ahead and dive into our episode which is as strange as this is going to sound character generation as now, a gm yes as a gm you don't always have to do full care gen. It, it's not something you're really always thinking about. But when you do have a fleshed out NPC or a GM NPC or just someone who's got a full write-up, it's kind of beneficial to, to step back and work through a few things. And, and we're all going to kind of tell you some of the ideas that we have and how we approach generating 
characters uh, for use in the game, even as uh, a GM. Oh, yeah. Because it is important to be able to do that for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. Because what if, you know, there's that moment when the PCs decide that this is the person that they're going to attack for no good reason? Well, sometimes it helps to have at least a, f a skeleton of the stats that are important to the game. Whatever that game is that you're running. Now, if you've got like a super crunchy game, it's probably better that you have a little bit more than like the barest skeleton. You need to have a little bit of the, the meat of the game system mm -hmm. already on those NPCs. Unless yeah, that then... NPC is a, a skeleton. Right. Well, of course, if it, you the had NPC to go there, is a dude. skeleton, then you're just fine. You're just <laughs> fine with the barest amount. And here's the thing, though. Sometimes it's like if you if you haven't really fully introduced an NPC and you have like, you know, it's like a couple waiting in the wings, there is nothing wrong with taking, you know, you know, Bob the carpenter and Phil the plumber and looking at their stats and depending on what they're doing, going, OK, swap. As long yeah. as you know, there's nothing. That's the thing is like just because you've written up an NPC. You know, to, to have this job and the stats and these abilities and doing X, Y, Z for the players, you know, it doesn't matter all that much if you have to, you know, swap, you know, the who knows what and what have you. I mean, granted, you might have to worry about, uh, and, and I'm sure Goddard Marzay knows this, certain kind of alliteration tongue twisters. So, you know. <laughs> yes, be aware of those. But yeah. Because it kind because it kind of can break the uh, believe it or not it can kind of break the immersion if they just if they're supposed to be super eloquent they just start stuttering over like Bob the Builder builds buildings you know like that 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 it's the Peter Piper pick the peck of pickled peppers problem exactly yeah it's, it's there but you want to know what you sound like to avoid it but like Jules is saying you can file off serial numbers and most of the times players aren't going to catch on most. NPCs can get by with kind of a shorthand for those statistics. And some games even have a way to kind of help you uh, kind of do that on the fly, like Zen was mentioning. If, oh, yeah. If it's mm -hmm. a level-based system, you kind of somewhere can find out what the average uh, ability or, or, or bonus would be at a, a particular level. You've got, you know, kind of a shorthand for how big a die pool may be. And that's something you can work with. But when you're doing that full build out, uh, one of the things I like to do is making sure that I'm not overshadowing the, the PCs. Uh, if I've got an NPC, especially one that may be tagging along, hired to, to come with the party or whatever, I want to make sure that it doesn't steal the, the, the limelight because I'm running the game i've got enough to mm. do even if i want to be the star player yeah, yeah. you're allowed right. to evil monologue but if they want to interrupt you with an arrow to the face you let them well <laughs> the other thing like i get what you're saying there go to much basically what you need to do is if you're doing something whatever you're doing for an npc make it a suboptimal choice because yeah. you don't want them to at in any capacity, especially if they're travel along companions, to overshadow any of the players, yeah, because your players they're, are the are the are the spotlight of the game. They're what you're running this for, right? <clears throat> right. 
And no. <clears throat> well, quick. Also, thing, you have like, to remember though that the GM is also a player. It, it doesn't get said enough, but the GM is also a player in your game. So, as they're the just GM, playing a lot just, of different characters and the scenery. Play- <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you need to have at least something that you can get into on every single. NPC that's going to become important. Now, obviously, you're not going to stat out every single peasant in every single village. But because you can kind of modular design them. So it's just like, here's, well, the, here's the peasant, you know, thing. And you just kind of like pull, it's like A and yeah. C, you know, it's almost like. Uh, you don't God, even have to my- do that. You can make them all literally the same. Yeah. As far as like stats and everything go. Exactly. But personality, it's like you can have, it, it's weird. It's like, remember like the, uh, those, those paper dolls, those craft dolls, like we had when we were really, really young. It's like, it's the same face. It's the same body, but it's a thousand one different clothes. They can be, you know, yep. they could be the farmer. This can be, this can be the mayor. This can be, you know, the town idiot. Yeah. They can be you. And that's. That's that's <laughs> the beauty of it all. You can just literally file all the serial numbers off of everything. That's the best thing about creating certain modular NPCs. But the one thing is, like, when you do have certain uh, focused NPCs, and the thing is, like, what Garmage is right, you don't want them to overshadow your PCs, but there's nothing wrong on occasion with a thunderclap of shock and awe, and then <laughs> they're gone. It's like a Kaiser Soze kind of a thing. Well, and yeah, one of the tactics I also like to do is building an NPC around a particular mechanical choice. Sometimes I don't do it suboptimally, especially when they are antagonists. Um, I, I, you know, want to highlight a mechanical choice that's out there or highlight what I can do with the mechanical choice the players have uh, already made, where it's like, okay, you want to put that together? Come <laughs> Night, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, like, and, and, and here's the thing sometimes doing certain things that are suboptimal or that, you know, that are anti min maxing, you know, it's like it, it can be hilarious. And it's, it's like you can have like the world's biggest bumbling idiot, but they're, it's like, oh my gosh, they're like negatives and everything, but they have, but they're lucky. And you're like, how the heck does he keep surviving? And Luck. it can be. Yeah, and it can be used, <laughs> but the thing is, like, it can be used to one if you know your players are if, if every if every game they seem to be kind of getting bored with, you know, something it can it can always be used not just to to push the plot, but can also use to change the flavor kind of spicing in your game. So if everyone's like tacos again, you know, it's like all right, instead of it, it's like all right, you use the taco meat and then you mix it with a whole bunch of fajita stuff, and then and all and then a big bunch of less. It's like it's a taco salad, and it tastes and its texture is different. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah, and it's it's another, fun. Another it's fun. thing that you can do with like making certain mechanical choices is you can actually foreshadow what the big bad evil person is going to be using. By doing like a a kind of toned down version as you're building up to where they're going to see him, like have like one of his lieutenants do it, but do it kind of poorly, but not so much that it's kind of a joke, but make it so Mm -hmm. that it's like, 
oh crap that that was kind of effective guys uh we should probably worry about that sort of thing and then when the, they actually run into the big bad evil guy he's like no no let me show you how it's actually done yeah it's kind of like and here's the thing you can also have them pull it off extreme like well with a lot of panat think you know palpatine and vader because vader did a lot of his stuff and he looked he didn't know any actually most of the time kind of failed but still looked freaking awesome building it and it kind of when you realize that's the that's just the that's just the minion kind of sort of the bbeg you're <laughs> right. you're kind of like oh my gosh because you know you don't the big bad evil guy sometimes doesn't need to be as awesome and also you can also use your your uh, that minion also as a foil for your big bad evil guy if you want them you know it's like lawful evil versus like chaotic evil and they're only looking out for themselves and they, and yes they'll stab the big bad evil guy in the back kind well, of a thing one of the other things i wanted to mention about you know designing npcs with full care gen aside from the mechanical side i also like to use uh those npcs as kind of a, a foil for player characters and you know look at similar backgrounds to what they've given their character and you know, create that that playful rival, create something that fleshes out the world because it ties that that player character into it. And mm -hmm. so you've got an NPC who can ask the surly fighter, hey, how's mom and how's your mom and pops? Haven't seen you guys in a while. And right. <laughs> He's like, hey, is, is dad still doing trophy hunting? Is, is he still gotten like the, the highest number of ducks and one XYZ, one XYZ competition or something? Hey, did you hear your record got broken by a senior this year? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy ways that you can tie in those backgrounds into making the players realize that some of these NPCs are literally just supposed to be normal people, even that they can mm -hmm. run into that yeah. may know them. Well, and it gives that that richness. And also, if I'm building a story about choices and, and wanting to see, you know, the players kind of react to the idea of the road less taken, having that similar background that they took one different choice than the players, can I can then highlight how that changed their life and what happened. Yeah. Right. And Those it's, it, it ends, what it ends up doing also is it, it can also have the players get a little bit more insight into their characters and why they made that choice that they did or, you know, and it, by doing that, it also kind of invests them in the world. Like say one guy is, you know, made this, tried to make the sacrifice to save somebody and failed while the PC tried to make the sacrifice and succeeded. It's like one of them's dealing with horrible, you know, uh, consequences of their actions. Exactly. And if they're, and if they can look, it's like, Oh my gosh. Uh, I, yeah, I, I might need to make a, a secondary plan in case, you know, uh, hitting the reset button doesn't fix this kind of a thing, you know? It's like, all right, how the heck would, oh no, you know, because yeah. they see what happens if they fail or a possible consequence thereof. And, right. and I know Gardemanger is very good with, with kind of theatrically, but not, you know, it's, he's not pulling the chorus in a Shakespeare play and looking and having them tell the story, but he's kind of like doing almost like the Dark Souls thing. It's just like, oh, yeah, here's the environment. Here's the people in it. And you can watch what will happen if you uh, screw it up. And he's he's very, very good at that. 
spookily so. No, he scared the crap out of me. Because <laughs> I didn't know if he was poli- if he was this was on the fly or something he's planned. And that's just something you, you kind of don't want to tell your players is like if you're don't improvising. Your yeah, if you're improvising to what they did or they're just luckily going along, you know? And yeah. having those believe kind of realized or have NPCs help you get there. Because if you know how a particular NPC or two reacts to the environment, because they're enough of a character that you can just kind of go, oh, yeah, you can make it seem like it's intentional. You can make it seem like it's not, but you don't have to put in effort at the table because the effort you put in was in making the NPC so the game itself flows more smoothly. Yeah, Indeed. And it's it, and the important thing is, though, that <clears throat> if if you're really, really not sure and you're not exactly sure what if they're if they're going to say if they're to go into like the town crier and asking for the news of the day and then they start asking a weird question about the news. You know what? Your NPCs do not have to be omniscient or, om- or omnipotent. Yeah, they, they could be, be like, like, I don't know. He's like, <laughs> and they can look at you. And the thing is, like, they can, with that question, they can, you can actually, you know, change the entire vibe. It's like you, they asked about something that you have no idea about. And you might be able to find out, oh, you know what? Maybe bringing that up would be a taboo in this town. And then changing a little bit around. You know, I've done that. Yep. It's fun. But, uh, yeah. you know, so it, it there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, because... It, when we play play video games and we ask like one of the characters that are just standing there in the town, they usually get drop a big piece of information. You don't have to do that in tabletop games. They can they can be as chatty yeah, you don't as have you to like have the it. Cut scene. Yeah, you don't have the and they can be as chatty as you exposition. want. They can be yeah. as chatty as you want, but offer no real substance if you know, if you don't know or or they wouldn't know or something like that. So there's a lot less that you have to do yeah. for that. Yeah, and you can also do rumors at that point. Mm-hmm. So you, you can play with that one too, like where they just start dropping rumors and all kinds of weird misinformation that is not pertinent to what they're doing. And here's the know? fun thing. And if and if you know, and if your your players are getting a little bit of frustrated, you know, and there, there's nothing wrong with having like the NPCs prank non uh non aggressively prank your players and if they get them back you know like yeah yeah it, it's funny we had uh we had a a player you know that was getting annoyed at an npc because the npc we made him a a, a skin flint that's always going to bargain over anything you know that kind of annoying jerk while we always have seen in retail and you know so my friend it's like you know he was doing that and he was trying to there was a reason behind it, but you know, eventually, like some of the PCs got annoyed, and one of them threw a chicken at him, <laughs> and it was funny, and it was able to, you know. And I'm like, okay, cool, we can use that as kind of like, like the burly brawl dust up you see in cartoons. It's just like, okay, well, that's going on switch. Yeah, you know, so yeah, silliness and uh, ridiculousness. You know, you might be like, oh, no, no, no. We are doing a very serious, very dark noir campaign. Yeah. Yeah, but to have that, you have to kind of have the opposite of it from time to time. Exactly. To accent so, it. Yeah. And the thing is, though, if you don't put 
you know, like some people, most of the time, 90%, they might be mostly sullen, but occasionally, like, you know, they might angry face, they're old, they're gruff, their dog farts, they start laughing. You know, you've never seen that person smile, then all of a sudden the dog lets out a squeaker, and then all of a sudden the guy is laughing. You're like, all right. And it doesn't have to be, they don't have to be so flat. Even just giving a wee bit of variety in your NPCs kind of makes your whole world seem alive, I guess. You don't have to have, you don't have to go through the whole, uh, you know, thinking, feeling, or um, intuitive, uh, that kind of thing that you don't have to go completely. With all your NPCs, it's not a bad idea to go in full with some, but you know, just occasional little little quirks. And hell, make a oh, list. Yeah. Keep something, you know, just in your phone. If you think of just little things, you're like, mm. so you can just it, it. So you're not having to fully rely on your brain if you're trying to run other stuff too. There's nothing yep. wrong with cheat sheets on your on your tablet. Yeah, uh, you you have no idea how many name lists I keep. Oh yeah, <laughs> because m- my my wife will never let me live down the fact that I actually named in a in a D and D game Joe the Wizard. Yeah, and the thing is though that you with it's like okay Joe the Wizard Joachim there you go. No, and no, I could, called him Joe. No, but <laughs> like, it was just like, it was horrible. Yeah, but the thing is like, but you think about it, it's just like nah it's Joe the Wizard, and the Wizard could go. It's like it's Joachim. And then his, you know, his wife goes, I know, Joe, quit trying to be all like, you know, <laughs> right. high and mighty. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, so there's there's a, all kinds of crazy things that you can do. But yeah. so we have done big stat blocks this time because we're playing kind of off of this idea of character gen. Now, we didn't actually do them statted out for any game system. We just gave you a whole lot of background on all of them if you would like to see them statted out in a particular game system join our patreon and request on the patreon for us to do that and we'll probably say yes yeah probably (laughs) so all right so let's go ahead and roll on into our step blocks system neutral pieces that can be worked into an ongoing game or inspiration for your next big game event. Okay. Then go. You did that on purpose, didn't you? Yeah. Because you knew as soon as I started to take a breath to say something. All right, all right. Broomhilda is what you might call a gun girl. She prefers to call herself a corporate troubleshooter, with a heavy emphasis on the shooter part. Most of her wetware is unnoticeable unless you happen to know just what you're looking for. She's paid top script for the doctors to make it so that it's all but impossible to tell. Once she starts to move, then it's all very, very obvious that she's been augmented. Her gaze is unsettling, to say the least. Not because she never blinks, but actually just the opposite. She's blinking because she's switching between between different light spectrums, as well as pulling up data about you in real time. This is after Hilda has done hours of background research on you. Do you truly expect the company's biggest troubleshooter to go in blind to a negotiation? No, no, you didn't. She keeps all the intel she's got stored in her 
headwear data storage module. Once she started troubleshooting what the company has identified as a problem, it's generally over pretty fast. She has shooting interfaces to let her know everything from the speed of the target to wind speed to the and the processor does all the math to keep those crosshairs firmly locked on her target. While not all things can be calculated out to the last result, this is why she is there and not a robot. Sometimes the company makes a mistake and Hildy's data analysis make it so that in the end, a human or a mostly human is there. Hildy has a true soft spot for children, though. When the company has decided that a trouble is a child, then they send someone else that might be just a little more machine. She's been known to show up to these encounters as a silent observer. If the other steps out in the least amount, she takes them out and saves the child. She's had to stop only three from being finished. Each one weighs heavily on her soul and mind. She has recorded each one in high def so she never forgets a single frame of these happenings. I want to applaud, but clapping on a microphone is a bad idea. So, yeah, Hildy. <laughs> All right. Jules, go. Damn you. All right. Tezzy the bartender. The bar itself is nothing spectacular. The front facade and inner decor are nearly identical to the dozens of other bars in town. The only distinguishing element is the lady behind the bar. She smiles and beckons you to sit and introduces herself as Tezzy. Tezzy the bartender is quite peculiar in your appearance. She stands about five feet six inches with a ruddy light brown complexion. Well-toned well arms sport various tattoos, a mix of intricate Mesoamerican tribal patterns interwoven with a feline motif. She wears a jet black leather biker vest with a Mictlan or bust bottom rocker. Her hair is a mixed tussle of sanguine red and pitch black. When questioned about it, she'll laugh and say that's her natural hair color. And you can't quite tell if she's lying. Her smile is warm and genuine, but it's at odds with the somewhat regal sharpness of her face. And it's impossible to make a guess at her age. And you get the feeling that asking would be quite dangerous. Rough day, I take it, she muses while expertly cutting a lemon. You have the eyes of a condemned man. Not solemnly as you play over the events of the day in your head. She catches your gaze for just a second as you look up and are about to order. And she holds up her hand. Whiskey sour, gentleman Jack. And in less than a minute, it's in your hands. How on earth did you know that? You exclaim with a surprise and bemusement. She'll laugh again and say, I'm psychic, with a wink and a finger pressed to her lips. Shh, don't tell anyone. Ah, damn, you whisper, sipping on the drink. Perfection shouldn't exist in bartending, yet this drink exists. And you catch her gaze once more, smiling back and promising to keep her secret. And then you notice her eyes. You notice them, really notice them. One silver, one obsidian. You catch your own reflection in them, transfixed, the world tilts. It's midnight. You're kneeling in supplication and penance. A voice on the wind, ancient, powerful, 
cold and dark as the void itself. I do not offer mercy nor forgiveness. Complicity is the path of the coward. Claim your life with your own power or feed it to me. Your eyes catch the glint of the obsidian blade just before it silently slices across your throat. The world is itself again. You take a massive swig of your drink, willing the contents to slow your heart rate and steady your breathing. I'd recommend standing up for yourself and your subordinates tomorrow at the status meeting, she says. They don't deserve to be sacrificed to hide the bumbling idiocy of the CFO's son. How the hell do you know that, you croak? I told you, sweetie, I'm psychic. She smiles and winks again. And you notice that her teeth have seemed to grow kind of pointed and sharp. And I'm expecting him here tomorrow for lunch. Fun. I like it. That is that is fun. Thank you. Awesome. Take our manger. Take us home. Nebish and a little shy. It's a shock when Curate Brass's iron certitude laces their speech. Clad in the traditional oversized robes of the recognized orders, Curate Brassa carries themselves with a, a quiet dignity, a sense of distinct intent. Each step seems chosen, and each of the very few words spoken seem to carry import. Significantly, Curate Brassa is accessible to the public, and, and a cowled face, such as it were, for advancing the needs of the recognized orders here. The curate has gone through the formal training that all curates face making good use of the natural intellect and curiosity that had them chosen to be enrobed. Learning from the greatest minds of each of the recognized orders, uh, be it strategy, healing, history, rhetoric, or commerce, Curate Brassa showed promise. Perhaps more promise than some felt comfortable with, as Curate Brassa has seemingly been stymied in advancing for the last hmm, five, six, eight years. There is, is no great loss, though, as Curate Brasa seems happy to provide services and counsel to those who come to worship and those who come to trade. The oversized robes hide the body from view, purposefully obscuring whoever is beneath as the recognized order's wish with the power of spirits to be what is remembered. The relative quietness of Curate Brasa's voice stands out in contrast to the bombastic volume that some use to sway crowds but combined with the stark paucity of the words spoken, Curate Brasa's pronouncements seem to carry more weight than those more loudly declaiming in the public square. And despite it all, Curate Brasa remains intensely curious. It is somewhat of a flaw, one could say, and can be convinced to accompany groups, or, or perhaps send them on a trip to learn more, or even just to listen to learn a little. It is in this timid but driven dichotomy that Curate Brasa is the most useful. Able to answer questions of great learning, discern the political movements of the recognized orders and the prelates, or perhaps just listen to stories of the road over a relaxing kettle of tea. Oh, that's cool. Spiffy, I like it. That is Quite fun. Spiffy. <laughs> I like it. Oh, yeah. That's... That... And now I want tea. And there's like <laughs> a whole world that's a kind of built up in the background with just those couple of hundred words that, that may be something I work with in the future. We'll see. We'll see if I can get that somewhere. But yes, yes, there are ideas spinning. 
Awesome. <laughs> I, I understand that feeling. So, well, let's go ahead and uh, flip on into our lexicon. An uncommon word that helps improve your descriptions with a bit of information about those words as well. Okay. I picked a um, pretty well-known word, I'm going to say. And it is bohemian. It's a fun word, actually. Uh, it's a noun. And the definition of bohemian is... One from a native... Bohemia. Yeah. <laughs> right. A native or inhabitant of Bohemia. Or um, it... a wild and crazy kid. Insert yeah. Night Live jokes here. Right. It's a, a group of Czech dialects used in Bohemia as well. Uh, a person such as a writer or an artist living in an unconventional life, usually in a colony with others. Vagabond, wanderer, especially Romani. Bohemian or Bohemian is the adjective version of it. The origin of Bohemian is from Bohemia. Uh, <laughs> it's actually French originally. La vie beau. Yeah. Yep. So its first known use is 1555. And it is in the top 2% of words looked up so it's a word people encounter and a word they want to understand more yeah mm. and it's pretty common nowadays and you see it in a lot of different uh medias so all right well let's hit these closing remarks after everybody that wants to please Come join our Instagram, Facebook group, Facebook page, Patreon. There's a coffee. Like, rate, and review. On social media, the Patreon is something you should certainly get. And don't forget our Discord server. Yes. And if you if you contribute just a, a small portion, like a dollar you can get in on our monthly chats that we do for like an hour or so and a bunch of other stuff that you could get access to but enough of that self-promotional stuff let's go ahead and hit our closing remarks and get out of here so that i can edit this thing and get it up in time yay <laughs> you'll be able to do it i believe in you oh, i'm I lying do <laughs> don't be i'm, I'm just i can crap. do it I I've done know. It before. <laughs> I've done this on like an hour after we've recorded. So I've got a few days. All right. Go to Moshe. What have you got? Are you being served? British 70s comedy gold. It definitely shows its age at times. There are some things that are kind of cringy looking back, but it ran pretty much the entire 70s. And it's a sitcom. And honestly, we could all use some humor and laughter right now. I believe it's currently available on the BritBox streaming service and Amazon Rentals, but it is a workplace comedy set in a 70s department store with characters that pretty much come only from the BBC. And uh, 
if you don't find something to laugh about, we'll have to have a discussion at some point. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I've watched even some of that. And it is it is funny. Oh, yeah. And, and if you like, you know, Britcom's like Faulty Towers, stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's right at that oh, same thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. Yep. Oh. Okay. So I spend a fair amount of time on YouTube looking at music. As weird as that sounds, looking at music. Um, but there is a uh, channel called Aim to Head Mix. And it is just like electronic EBM and they kind of theme mixes to certain things and they have been pretty awesome. That's actually where I got my initial idea for Broomhilda was the artwork that was on one of those. And so I sat there and listened to it while I wrote her. So I do that sort of thing all the time. But yeah, there's, yeah, that's how I usually come up with a lot of mine is I'll sit there and I'll just be listening to music and then just start writing. And so, but their stuff is, is really cool. They've got lots of videos (laughs) Um, and it's all kind of more leaning towards because it's all like electronica. So there's not as much like fantasy stuff. I have to find other things for that. But yeah, if I'm writing anything with uh, present day or future, that's what I listen to anymore to do it. Strange, but I like it. I like it. Yep. It's cool. So what have you got, Jules? Uh, please don't laugh at me, but it it works. Believe it or not, I have been, lack of a better term, I, I picked up the Eddie Izzard box set. And the reason I, I, you know, I, I, I'm recommending just simply put Eddie Izzard in any and all ways that you can consume Eddie Izzard. He's there's a, a book, uh, his art like an autobiography that he wrote, and you can get it on Audible. And he narrates it, and he does his own random insert, you know, mind, you know, tangenty footnotes. Yeah, but that's, the one that's thing- Eddie Izzard though. Oh, absolutely. But the thing that's brilliant is that if you watch him, well, actually, I apologize. Uh, Eddie is now using her pronouns. My apologies. Yes. But for starters, Eddie is amazing at a lot of pantomime and, and you know, getting in arguments with himself that are hilarious. Yeah. And the other thing that I, I found just absolutely delightful is that she goes around and teaches herself different languages so she can do comedy in other languages. Yeah. And it's great because she's able to actually find out cool word puns and put them in the show. Yeah, because they're lost if you don't speak the language. It's really remarkable to to stand up working in two different languages. Exactly. And and the thing is, though, if you speak like one language and they kind of transition and there's like that weird dual language joke overlap. Like in her early stuff, she says, I'm an executive transvestite, but he's like, and in French, but the word for transvestite is travesty, which means something very different in English. <laughs> yes. And there's stuff on the 
uh, with Star Wars and politics and you name it. And it's amazing. Yeah. So it, it, if you want probably the most unique way of storytelling and it seems that she's like mildly, you know, ADD, like I think a whole bunch of us are. It's delightful to, to figure out how that kind of thing is channeled because she doesn't really write her shows down. So you'll just kind of tangent. And if stuff doesn't work, she pantomimes writing it down. It's just like, well, don't do that joke. People around here don't seem to understand culture, dot, dot, dot. And it's hilarious. Yeah. So it, you know, this might help us sometimes if you need to improv, watch. Yes, improv. And improv is, is so important to be able to yep. do. And as Gardner <laughs> mentioned, we all need to laugh. We do. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, it's like you have fantastic makeup with a fantastic gun and no one would know what to do. And, and I'm just yep. saying that I'm tears running down my face. I'm howling with laughter. Yeah. Because it's, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry. It's like, I'm a squirrel. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. We all know that. Who looks shiny. Yeah. Is that a nut? Oh, wait. wait. <laughs> Is that another nut? Where, where's that other nut? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so there, there you go. All right. Well, guys, we are going to go ahead and wrap this bad boy up, and we will see you all in two weeks. So have fun. Play games. And roll some dice. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handled this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.